Okay, holy moly. <laughs> holy smoke. Holy mackerel. You're wondering where this is going, aren't you? <laughs> holy rollers. Holy cow. There's much worse, but I'm not going there. <laughs> holy. Holiness has subtly been eroded. It's become a bit of a joke. It's completely been misunderstood. It's really devalued and largely irrelevant to most people. And for us, it may have some negative connotations and we may be scared to be called holier than thou. But the Bible says very clearly in 1 Peter 1.15, be holy because I am holy. And this is the subject I have foolishly tried to take on this morning. And that's why I prayed at the beginning. Because we do need real grace to receive this message. It's in God's words, and it's largely misunderstood. And so I pray that you would, the Holy Spirit would just speak to you about what holiness means to you. Because it's relevant to you today. So I wonder, do you think we should just put this aside as just a too difficult subject to even understand, too far to attain to, that we just maybe sink back and listen to some of the more easier palatable truths like God is love, he's compassionate, he's gracious, or do we digest this and respond to this? I believe that we need to hold every bit of truth in the Bible with equal levels of conviction and passion and response. I hope you do too. So, the pursuit of holiness, or some, which is sometimes called sanctification, it's in the Bible, so we're going to use that word, basically means being made holy. And um, I believe that the enemy has very often tried to rob the church, rob church leaders of this wonderful discipline and submission to the truth and the word of God in every area of our lives. The enemies try to get in and erode away our holiness. I think the spirit of the age has crept into our churches. The, the worldview, the popular worldview will have come in and robbed us of our holiness but I want to bring it back on the agenda. In my life, with us as a family, I think rather than holiness being a sort of a word which sort of linked with smells and bells and linked with those more fundamental kind of evangelical Christians, it needs to be part of us as a spirit-filled church. I believe holiness is actually a beautiful, vibrant expression of spirit-filled life. And we want to see that in each other, don't we? Satan will try and rob us of our holiness and our understanding of the preciousness of holiness because he understands that holiness is actually a really deadly blow to his battle plans for this world, this community. So... um, I just want just a definition of holiness. Just really, it's just simply being made holy is is 
being acceptable and pleasing to God and reflecting the image that God has originally put in us, reflecting God's image to those around in a pure and spotless way. And the thing is, our sin is a really serious problem and it's actually at the heart, holiness is at the heart of why Jesus came. He came to the cross to remove this barrier of sin and the holy, perfect God came, died on the cross that we could be made holy through Christ. This is the gospel. And it doesn't just stop there. When we give our lives to Jesus, it continues. And so there's these two aspects of um, holiness that I want to look at briefly. So Hebrews 10.10 says, We have been sanctified, made holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So that's happened. But then if we drop down to verse 14 of Hebrews 10, it says, By a single offering, so meaning that there's no repeating of animal sacrifices, by one single offering, Jesus, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. So we've been sanctified and we're being sanctified. It's one of those things that we just hold, need to hold together. And I, don't, I think most of us accept that we have been sanctified by Jesus on the cross. And I want to talk about this being sanctified, this process of being made holy. So yes, we are completely forgiven through Jesus through we stand before God, totally perfect, holy, without sin, never him holding our sin against us. But there is a process as we work out our salvation. John Piper says of this, he says, Christ has fully accomplished and guaranteed the holiness for those who are now being made holy. So it's secured your holiness. It's now and in the future, but there's a process of being made holy too. It's one of those things where it's a now and not yet reality of the kingdom. The true fulfillment is in Christ in the future. But today, I want us all to take inspired steps through the Holy Spirit in increasing the growing in holiness as we walk together. So we are really called to be different to those around us. And I think this is a really powerful weapon that we have. We don't want to blend in. We don't want to be unnoticed as a church, as a family. We want to be really salty. I was going to say lighty. And we want to be full of light too. So when Paul was speaking to the Ephesians, he spoke into a very similar context to us. The context, the centre of... Ephesus was like the centre of consumerism, the centre of entertainment and the centre of... Sexual idolatry. And this is what Paul said to the people. That, however, is not the way of life you have learned. That is not what you have learned. When you heard about Christ, you were taught in him with accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So Paul was speaking into this situation and our circumstances, our culture around us is no different. We're full of consumerism, idolatry, sexual promiscuity, entertainment. It's just invading 
and coming into our church and into our churches. And so this is really relevant holiness for us today. So you may be thinking, why are we talking about this now when we're kind of embarking on this um, series on walking in step with the Spirit and the, the presence of God? Why can we not talk about the fruit of the Spirit or gifts of the Spirit or empowering to witness why this? Because I really do believe one of the main purposes of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. It was funny, I was chatting to Keith this week and... Um, just to talk about my topic. And he, and he just said, he said, it's odd, isn't it? We, we, but we often overlook the fact that the Holy Spirit, in his very name, is holy. So I'm going to read a little passage from Peter. So Peter was speaking to some uh, dispersed Christians, some of which might have been there at Pentecost. And we can read how uh, some were there from um, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, which were there. At, uh, so they may have been there when Peter was preaching his first sermon. They may have got saved and then gone back to their hometowns. So he's speaking again to these people. So let me read. Have we got it up there? Excellent. So Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. So we're reading from 1 Peter 1, 1 to 2 and 13 16. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Therefore, Actually, in the ESV, it says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Therefore, verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed in his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. So Felix helpfully reminded us, I think last week, about how the work of the Spirit and evidence of the Spirit moving us isn't outward demonstrations or theatre. It's much more about an inward transformation. And this is the same. The work of the Spirit is evidence in your everyday, often hidden life that no one else can see. So I guess my testimony of being baptised and filled in the Holy Spirit was that I really was freer to glorify and worship God. I, you know, I raised my hands, I, I knelt down, I was, had different tongues, spiritual tongues that I could use. And uh, I was also decided that I would not swear like all the rest of my friends. And I did these different things, I started to get pictures and impressions that God gave me for just for myself. And then I started to do it wider within the church. But as I kind of consider my spiritual maturity, as I want you to as well, I want you to consider how over the last, however long you've been saved from, for me, 30 years, no longer, anyway, um, I want, to change, I want to challenge myself and ask, have I seen a pattern of consistent sanctifying in my life? A consistent pattern of being made holy. 
Because this is what we should be looking for. So there are many areas that God will choose to sanctify us. I believe his word, God's words, his truth. So we hold up our lives against his truth. That's one way. I believe others. That's why we're in, we're with other fellow believers that can say, hey, that's not good for you. That's not honouring to God. That's not pleasing. We do that. That's why we're in a family. We share with one another. We can sanctify and help sanctify as we walk with one another. But I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit may use different things for us. And I'm just going to talk about obedience, our conscience, and then discernment, and then repentance. Um, So obedience, first of all. Let's look from 1 Peter 1-2. It says, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus. This is the crux of it, to be obedient to Jesus. Sanctification or being made holy starts at being obedient to Jesus. It starts when we first submit our lives to Jesus and say, I want to be obedient to what your good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus is. I want to be obedient and come under your authority. John fourteen fifteen says, if you love me, you will keep or obey my commands. This is not a scolding kind of rebuke from a stern father, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But this is a loving invitation from a father. If you, if you love me, you will obey and follow my commands. Timothy Keller um, posted recently on his Instagram, he just gave some helpful uh, distinction between someone who's following a man-made religion uh, and someone who's following um, the good news of Jesus. Uh, so we can, oh, Brilliant. Okay, so yeah, so someone who's following religion, we can see that it says, I obey, therefore I'm accepted. That's the wrong order, isn't it? When we follow the good news of Jesus, it's I'm accepted, therefore I obey. That's the motivation. I'm accepted by God and therefore I'm, I'm willingly motivated to come and obey the Lord Jesus. Motivation is based on our fear and insecurity in religion and a man-made ideal is... But with the gospel, with the good news, motivation is based on grateful joy. We're filled with grateful joy. We skip to come and obey the Lord Jesus. It's our joy. Finally, I obey God in order to get things from God. It's like a transaction thing. Sometimes children do that, don't they? Maybe. We obey just to get something back. But the good news is I obey God to get to God. Not anything from God. We get to God. We obey and we come close to him and we delight and to resemble him. And this is what the holiness is, is. When we come close to him, when we are exposed and our, you know, the, the sinful parts of our lives are exposed and we put them aside and repent of them, then we come to resemble him more and more. And the image of him in us is reflected in greater ways. So firstly, obedience. Actually, I'll pick up a couple of weeks ago, Jan gave a word obedience I don't even remember in our worship it was just one single word obedience and then I think Pam came up afterwards and said um, do you remember the line from the song it says I will offer up my life Uh, and then there was a bit where it says what shall I give what shall I bring what shall I give what shall I bring connected to this word obedience and Pam said actually there's people here that you know what you need to offer up you know what you need to bring So how does the Holy Spirit lead me into paths of righteousness? How do I know what to obey Christ in? Well, I believe there's a couple of ways. 
as I mentioned before, but I want to just pick on a, a few things. Um, and the first one is conscience. I believe God uses our conscience. This is a God-given thing that we're wired into us. It's our conscience. But we need to be careful with our conscience. And Timothy was spoken to from Paul in 1 Timothy 1.18 and says this, this, I, this, I charge, this charge I entrust to you, Timothy. So Paul's saying this to Timothy. My child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the war, the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. So by rejecting prophecies and holding faith and a good conscience, people have made a shipwreck of faith. I was just thinking this morning, what, what does that mean? I think if, if your conscience isn't alert, you're not aware of the dangers. A shipwreck faith is it's a ship that's hit some rocks, which it hasn't seen probably, and, and started sinking. And if your conscience isn't clear and sharp, you're not aware of the dangers, the hidden dangers. You're not looking out for them. The rocks, the sin. So um, when the Spirit comes to sanctify us, to make us holy, he works alongside our conscience. In other passages, it talks about the Bible, um, our consciences being weak or defiled or a seared conscience. 1 Corinthians 8, 7 says, But some, through former association with idols... Eat food is really offered to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So as they worshipped idols, their conscience has been defiled and become weak. Most sin is a form of idol worship, whether it's of yourself, of others, of the world, created things. And I just want to lovingly encourage you not to play with idols, because it will start to weaken your conscience. Sin isn't some light entertainment. It will spoil and defile your conscience. We need to be really ruthless as soon as we start to see sin entering in our lives. Because ultimately sin does deceive us and tricks us and lies to us. And then our conscience becomes weak and weaker. So... I think it's true of all of us. Our conscience can get very desensitized and numb to the things around us. We're surrounded by sin. We're surrounded by darkness and we can get desensitized. But I want us to talk about the things in our lives that have become um, numb and we're not apparent of what we're in. So the first time you might sin, you might feel a sharp pain of guilt. But the second time, it lessens. Maybe you quieten down to the voices. The third time, you just, just start justifying it, don't you? And you just think, well, this is okay. And you uh, simply ignore that uncomfortable feeling. I want, to, I want to kind of bring back that uncomfortable feeling. I believe it's from God, and God uses that. So use it, it, it as we become more holy. Keeping our conscience sharp and clear is crucial to allowing the Holy Spirit and helps us to hear that inner quiet voice as he speaks to us and guides us to what is right and what is wrong. We really want to bring pleasure to the heart of God, don't we? So don't ignore your conscience and make a shipwreck of your faith. I just want to say a small thing on conscience. Our consciences can be wrong at times. 
So we can feel guilty for things which we shouldn't feel guilty about, which aren't sin. And, and also, we can feel ashamed for areas that we do not need to feel ashamed for if we've been forgiven of those things. And it's an important thing to know, because I don't want you to feel, uh, you know, if you're unsure, then seek some counsel from a friend and just say, where do I stand with this? So the second thing is discernment in how we become more holy. I believe uh, yeah, God uses discernment, and it's a kind of one of the, It's actually a gift of the Spirit, um, which we'll come on to in a minute. But it's probably not one that you're praying for regularly as you become more holy. So Romans twelve one and two says, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God." which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. 1 Corinthians 12, speaking of some of the gifts, Paul mentions the gift of distinguishing between spirits or the gift of discernment, which basically means having the ability to tell the difference between sound godly doctrine and truth and from deceptive lives of man-made religions. I believe we need to, as a church, resurrect discernment as we navigate and help each other in holiness. Holiness has become so blurred, I think, um, for us is because we have biblical doctrine and then we have the culture that we live in and there's there's just a blurred line of what is holy and what is acceptable to God often uh, the the spirit of the age is so persuasive isn't it and uh, culturally acceptable opinions we don't want to rock the boat as we, uh, when we don't want to accept the Christless worldview, but it can just creep in. So, Acts seventeen sixteen, he says that Paul says this when he was in Athens. He says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And I think for us, we need to be able to look at our town and see the idols. We need to look at our own lives be able to see the idols. Paul was able to see the idols in Athens and he became greatly distressed. So it's one thing, we've got to see the idols, but then we've also got to feel the anguish that God feels towards them. Are we feeling that pain or are we just accepting and being diluted in our discernment of what is right and wrong? I'd just like to pray for a moment, actually. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would gift us all with the gift of discernment, Lord. Lord, we want to be able to see the difference. Lord, we want to be able to look and see the dark and depraved, godless parts of our the place that we live, the culture that we're in the things that we've become immune to. Help us to see right from wrong, Lord. Help us to see the things which 
don't please your heart, that grieve you. Lord, we want to see the things, we want to see the idols, but we want to be moved like you're moved, Lord, like you're grieved. Give us a holy dissatisfaction for what the enemy has robbed your creation of and robbed us of. Amen. So I'd love holiness to invade every part of our lives. I'd love there to be no off limits for each one of us. And um, as I was thinking about this, I was just, you know, wanting just to be really open and ask forgiveness for where we have, where I've been blind. And maybe the Netflix choices and the Spotify playlists and the celebrities that are followed on Instagram or on TikTok or YouTube, the, the idols of online shopping, the idols of sexual promiscuity or overeating or binge drinking, are there any areas which are off limits that we've kind of excluded and held back and don't want God to invade and bring his holiness to bear? I believe holiness is, is a really current relevant thing for now it's a it's not a it shouldn't be an objection or stench or a misunderstood word it should be a beautiful a beautiful beautiful thing as we follow Christ I believe it's a, it should be something which is sweet which is attractional, which actually points and directs people to the throne. We sang holy, holy. In fact, one day we will be before the throne, all, with the, all the angelic hosts and angels, we'll be all proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Let's draw people into the holy of holies as we reflect his holiness so when I was uh, 17, I remember going through my uh, CDs and actually just thinking, uh, there's lots of, uh, in my collection, where we're not honouring to God. The, some of the, I don't know, sexual lyrics or the swear words. And I just went through, I had about 100 CDs, and I just went through and I just threw the ones away, put them in a black bin bag. I thought, should I take them to a charity shop? No, that's not helping anything, is it? So I just put them all in the bin. And um, looking back, it didn't seem like I was that discerning. But I do remember going through the process of justification, of thinking, actually, because we do this with sin. We, we just justify it. We play with it for a bit. We hold it in the hands and we think, actually, is this bad? Is this? And we start, and I remember thinking things like, well, I need to be relevant to my friends that are listening to the similar music. How am I going to talk to them? How, you know, I need to be in the world but not of the world. And you start saying all these things. And then what else did I say? Um, I can't remember. But the point is we can really easily justify our actions for not turning away and throwing things away. But the truth is I did need to discern. I needed to kind of, I needed to be grieved and concerned by what I was filling my mind with each day. But as I thought about that this morning, the actually troubling thought that I had is that I was trying to think of some more current examples of me being made more holy. And 
is it was actually a harder thing. When was the last time that I made a drastic, decisive decision against anything in my life that would limit my holiness development? And I ask it to you too. When was the last time that you made a drastic, decisive decision to be made more holy like Christ? 1 John 1.9 says, if, actually no, I've jumped ahead. I, I mean, because all of these things do often lead to repentance. Um, and we must come to that point. When we, our consciences are pricked, when we're moved, when we discern things, we don't just leave it at that. We need to respond. And often the way is through repentance. And the wonderful thing with repentance, as I was about to say, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to not just cleanse us, but he, he, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us of all unrighteousness. I want to really be clear that sanctification is a collaboration with God and us. And we can't be passively sitting back, allowing God to quietly mould us in the background into, more into his image. We have to be actively and aggressively shaking off, turning away from, contending against every evil that will try to cling to us and turn us away. We need to turn away in repentance and in faith remembering that we're not yet perfect people. We've been sanctified, but we're, to be being, we're being sanctified too. We're not yet perfect people, but we're in the hands of a perfect God as we recently talked through. So as I close, I just, I'm just going to pose a few questions. Actually, the band can come up as I pose a few questions. I want to ask us, are we, are we aware Actually, before I go on to the questions, I want to just say one last thing, which is really important, because I know this could be quite a heavy word, but I want to say, in the original passage where we looked at in 1 Peter 2, where it talks about the sanctifying work of the Spirit, it says this, that may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Holiness brings peace in abundance. It brings grace in abundance. Ultimately, when we choose holiness, the emphasis isn't about abstinence, about suppression of earthly desires, but the focus should be on grace and peace and blessings being multiplied to us. Holiness actually frees us from sin, it frees us from those agitating kind of passions where we're kind of sat on the fence. It frees us from that. Any kind of moral conflicts that you are carrying, holiness brings you free of those things and brings peace and grace to you. So sanctification brings grace and peace in increasing measures. Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is the kingdom that we're following. This is the kingdom we're part of. So the questions I was going to say, are you, am I aware and obedient to the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit that makes me holy? 
Secondly, what sinful thoughts, words or actions do I want to leave behind in order to make progress in holiness? Have I become desensitised to the ravaging, destructive effects of sin in my life? And what was the last time I took decisive action against anything in my life that could limit my holiness development? As you can look across... um, significant moves of the spirit across this country and they're always preceded by a wave of prayer and a wave of holiness praise God that the Holy Spirit has made us holy and that he continues to make us holy let's today choose to be obedient to the Holy Spirit as he leads us in a holiness transformation I'm just going to have one picture which I was given to me this morning by God. He gave it to me very last minute. I don't know why. But so Eden, my son, on Monday went to football training and he uh, sprained his ankle. We took him to A&E because there was a, a cracking sound. He sprained his ankle. He was told to rest, put his foot up, and, um, which he did for one day. And then Thursday, I hear that he's, um, he's doing PE. He's doing the 400 metres. He came... No, he came second in that. He said he came second because of his ankle. And then he was doing long jump, which he came first in. The point is, I believe that there's people here, actually, that um, are, are in sin, and they keep returning to where the cause of that pain uh, comes in their life. And um, you need to move away from it. Yeah, so does that make sense? So there's areas that are sinful in your life and it causes you great pain and it's causing you lack of peace with God and you need to move away from it completely and not keep returning to it. As soon as Eden returned to that activity, he, his foot swallowed up again and he wasn't at peace and he, wasn't, and he was in pain. So I'm going to just ask the band to play in the background. And I just want this closing few minutes just for you to reflect. This is a time for you to reflect.